Uh, welcome to this week's podcast. And today I am joined by a good friend of mine, Jill Harvey Bush, who is a mindset coach, amongst other things. And Jill's going to be talking to us about stuff, lots of stuff to do with beating fear, anxiety, and things like that. So welcome to the Love Fly podcast, Jill. I was just trying to remember how long we've actually known each other now and how that unfortunate for you encounter started. I think we must have known each other about 10 years now, Paul, something like that. Is it going to be any longer? I reckon, yeah, I reckon so. Maybe 15 then. Yeah. And I think it started, I heard of your name through a mutual friend of ours, Pete and uh, I mm. flew with Pete many years ago when I first started flying, and he contacted me to say, are you free to do a training course? A friend can't do it, and he's looking for a trainer to go and train, and I've told him that you're a really good trainer. And I did a course for you before I'd even met you, and then we met, I think, on a, and I'm going to say it's a TA course, but not a Territorial Army course, no. but a transactional analysis course. And that's, that's where it. we first met. Yeah. And then I did some other training with you. I did some coaching with you. And then one day I got a call from you to say, help, need to go to Newcastle. The person who was doing the um, fear of flying or flying without fear courses, uh, our therapist can't do it. Could you come and just lend me a bit of a hand? because you've got a bit more experience of dealing with people who have a fear. So I just nicely thought I was heading off to Gatwick to go to Newcastle, just to kind of sit at the back of the room and help out if needed. And I remember we were sitting there with a coffee, as we often did then after this, and you produced the PowerPoint presentation as, is this okay as your bit? So I remember thinking, oh... I'm a little bit more involved in this than I thought I was going to be. So thank you very much, Paul. You threw me right in at the deep end, as usual. And I kind of swum, I think, swum. And after that, then you and I travelled up and down the country yeah. and doing uh, Fly Without Fear courses. And in the meanwhile, training, I did some work with you, you did some work with me. So, and we've known each other ever since. Well, there you go. There's a nice summary for you. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the things that Jill was particularly good at doing, apart from being kind enough to give her time and then continue to do it for five years, was you brought in some new things. And I was, uh, I think that was what I would, I look back and think, what did you do to help those individuals? Aside from physically helping people, I think the thing I'll always credit you with is you brought in some new practice. And so the prior to Jill, we've been doing some relaxation, some mindfulness, that type of stuff. But Jill brought in a couple of other techniques as well, which were, well, I've been using a little bit of NLP because that was something I was trained in as well. But Jill was better trained in that, but also was exploring something called thought field therapy. And I don't know if you still use that in your practice, but I'd be quite interested to zoom forward a bit and talk about how, you know, what sort of stuff you're helping people with now. Because I think your, your remit's much, much broader now by the sound of it. Yes, I, I did a lot of helping people with phobias, I think. So any fear mm. around that, although I was coaching at the time, I think I kind of got diverted because of helping on courses. And therefore, you tended to attract more people who wanted your details, who passed on your reference. You know, you were then referenced to new people who were dealing with phobias. So, yes, I did that for a while, but it was a long sign, really, the rest of my 
coaching practice where I was working with sports people. I work with executives, etc. So I use it. I still use TFT. Funnily enough, I'm about to do a Zoom recording. <laughs> Funny you should mention it in TFT for a COVID coping summit that I run. I'm running with Janie Holiday, and you know we'll go onto her website, which will show people how to use TFT to get over any fears and anxieties. TFT is mm. we call it TFT because keep saying thought field therapy is very long-winded mm. and uh, out of that people might know what was known or is known as EFT which was emotional freedom therapy and yes I do use it it's in my toolkit I don't actually advertise it anymore because I've moved away from the therapy side of things and I, I went back to the coaching much more of the coaching but yes I absolutely use it it's in my toolkit and there's mm. many a time when I'll say to a client look just give this a go you know, be open-minded. And I will say that I was definitely the skeptical therapist when I first saw it. I first saw it being used, I used to help on the Paul McKenna courses when he was running those. So things like he used to do, I can make you thin days. And I first saw TFT and I must admit, Paul, I looked at what was going on on the stage and thought how the, I'm not going to swear, but fill in whatever word you like, how on earth can a bit of tapping above your head, you know, above your eyebrow and under your eye, how on earth can that actually work? And you know me, that's when a course comes in to say, well, okay, before you completely dismiss something, then let's go learn a bit more about it, which is what I did. Then I started using it with people and you used to see it happening, didn't you, on the, on the yes. courses. And it's when, even though I used to look at my clients afterwards and go, and they'd say, oh my goodness, it's gone. Even I'd look at them and go, really? Well, honestly, and of course, the proof is then that, yes, it, it had completely gone. So that's when I realized the power of TFT. So in answer to your question, yes, I do still use it in my practice. And that yeah. can be for executives that I've used it for. You know, in fact, this week I've used it coaching somebody who you know, had an MD who really had complete meltdown in terms of I, going through all of this. I can't keep my game face on. And so I did a bit of tapping with him. And it just calmed them down completely. So whilst you won't see it on my website particularly, I certainly use it. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and, and I, for one, was also sceptical. <laughs> and I like things to be quite grounded. And so I look at stuff like that and it's a bit woo-woo for me. Uh, however, if I was wearing a hat, I'd have to take it off to you or eat it. I can't remember what you do with a hat. I don't know how it carries <laughs> on. But my hat. <laughs> you do something with a hat. And that's what I'd be doing with it because... People would be what I technically call freaking out. And I'd say to Jill, see what you can do with this one in the nicest possible way. They're, they're desperate for some immediate help. And just listening to them and, and trying to help in a kind of practical way isn't working. We need to yes. do something a bit more of an intervention. And that's when Jill would swoop in minus a cape and, <laughs> uh, and do stuff. Most of the time, we are. Although I did some training with you later, I still didn't really know what you were doing because I'd watch because you wouldn't do the same thing every time. So just so I thought, ah, so next time someone comes near me, I'll do that. Then you'd go and do something else. You'd ask some questions, they'd raise an arm, and then they'd be counting. And then before I knew it, you're doing a completely different thing I'd never seen before. So I thought, well, that's leave it to the experts. And that's what I've done. So I, I like being trained in stuff and I like going on courses. But the reality is, You've got to recognize when you're kind of outside of your own skill set. And that's where Jill was just brilliant at being able to help people with real immediate effect. And quite often people would say at the end, so I'd nab them on the way out and just say, you 
you were really upset earlier. What happened? You know, I don't know, but it was that tapping thing. It just, something happened. And that was it. I just go, oh, great. Thank you. And so Here's many Jill. people used to say, well, I'm sure it's just because you distracted me. You know, that's mm. often the comment. And that's the difference. When you have a fear and somebody helps remove it, and you've had it for years, the brain kind of goes, no, I can't have had that for all that time. And then you just do a bit of tapping and it's gone. And you kind of see people looking at you fairly dazed and they'll search for it. And of course, that's part of the tech. What I look for as an NLP practitioner as well is you see their eyes moving around as searching for where's that feeling gone. And then the brain can't quite accept it. So it tries to come in with logical reasons as to why that fear isn't there. And mm-hmm. often I'll get asked, and I'm very honest with people, People will say things like, well, how does it work? And I have to say, well, I I can't give you any scientific. Well, if it hasn't got the science behind it, and I think you and I used to say, but does it, my thoughts are, does it really matter if you have to know the science about it, if it's actually worked? So if you've actually got on the flight and your fear has disappeared, do you really know the science behind it as to whether it, well, it might be a placebo we got given. Well, does that really matter if it's actually helped you get over your fear? I mean, there is some scientific research behind it, but it's always that catch-22 with what my husband, Clive, would call, as you said, the, you know, he calls it the oogly-boogly, <laughs> the oogly-boogly stuff. And again, you know, he's very down to earth, as is my son, who's an engineer, very grounded, very logical is Jackson. But when you see it working again and again and again, it's hard to not start to think there's something more to this. And maybe it's just that science hasn't caught up with what is actually going on, because it's it's using acupuncture or acupressure points mm. on the body. I don't know about you, Paul, but many years ago, if anybody had mentioned about acupuncture working, people thought that was ridiculous. Yes. And now it's very commonplace and people acknowledge that it works. Yeah, I think that is that is very true. Well, whatever you did, I'm very grateful. I'm sure there's possibly thousands of people that are also grateful for what you did to help them and well, so I, you oh, did go on. it as well Ooh, yes i know well i, I was part of it team. we were a great team it was a team <laughs> it yeah. was a team effort by so yeah. many people and that was a beauty as well because some of the team leaders suddenly got very interested and realized mm. this was just amazing and you know you very kindly said that i could train them you trusted them to me i mean i was a qualified tft trainer and what's really interesting is to see that they could then go and sort out problems as well. And I remember the first few times that they managed to bring somebody's fear down. They were kind of like, whoa, I've done it, I've done it. And I know, you know, a couple of them no longer working with Virgin for various reasons. Mainly they were made redundant. All the bad ones. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And they're still using it on themselves, you know, and they're using it to help other people, not just to do with a fear. So it's great to see. Well, one of our team leaders had a morbid fear of snakes and so couldn't even walk. If she's walking down the road and saw a bit of rope on a pavement, she'd literally freak out and couldn't watch half the TV programs because of going to be some, particularly the national, what's her name, geographic, anything like that. Yeah, or a David you know, Attenborough type program. Yeah, anything like that. She'd freak her out and you sorted that out with her. So, and she's ended up trained in it as well. So a really good, a good pool. And one of quite a few, I think, the main thing for people, I always say this, if you've got a fear of flying, is do something. Even doing something that has a tiny yes. bit of positive effect, it means you're at least on the route towards getting rid of the fear. 
rather than retreating. And every time you retreat, you're just reinforcing it and giving it more gravity or more importance in your life than it deserves. At the end of the day, it's it's a fear that's got out of control. So I want to. I'm interested in the mindset coaching stuff that you're doing now. So it's not wildly different from where we are what we've been talking about i just think it's a bit more of an interesting twist on how what your own practice has evolved so maybe you could just tell people a little bit about that well that's really where people have if you like a fear of success or a fear of failure i deal with mds executives senior management on the corporate side having been corporate myself and at a senior level you have an understanding of that and often there's fears you know the imposter it's syndrome. I'm sure mm. a lot of people have heard about the imposter syndrome, which actually is a fear of being discovered that I'm rubbish at my job or I can't actually do it. So fear underlies so many things. And often fear underlies anger. So very interesting that I learned a few years ago. And, you know, I love to read books, the same as going on courses. And I had a client that was struggling with anger and you know, told to go on anger management. And I did a little bit more research and actually came across a book that had a very different twist to somebody who is really angry is actually it's the same as somebody who is really anxious. It's just shown as anger, but actually it's anxiety and fear that drives that emotion. So it's amazing how much it underpins so many things. And when I read about that and I started working with him on anxieties and fears, that's exactly what it turned out to be. There were anxieties and fears. And as a child, he'd learnt to have to cover those up. And that used to then come out as anger, which is what was happening in his adult life. And once we dealt with the anxiety and fear, the fear of not, and it's often the fear of not being good enough, then actually the anger, he didn't have to control his anger or go on an anger management course. So I just found that was a really interesting twist. And with every client that I get, I'm always looking at, is there something different I can do here? Is there something I'm missing here? Uh, As a coach, you're always, or at least I am. So I'm generalizing by saying as a coach, maybe other coaches don't, but I'm always looking to think, is there something else that drives this? Because research is coming out all the time about different things. It's amazing how much of it is driven by fear and anxiety. Nowadays, teenagers, not just teenagers, but you know, young adults, there's a huge um, social anxiety fear. So I deal quite a lot with people who have social anxiety fear. We have health anxiety fear. I think that's been moved on really from hypochondria. So again, I deal with people, and as you can imagine, going through this time, and we were recording this during COVID, these, this kind of health anxiety for some people is incredibly high. So they're looking for everything as being a symptom. And it's when you can help people understand how the brain works, and often Mm. that's the power, how the emotional brain is kicking in. And once the emotional brain takes over, it's very hard for the logical brain to come into play. Classic, isn't it? With anybody who has a fear of flying, it's the emotional brain that's in, which means the logical brain isn't there. And they literally don't hear somebody when they're talking to them. I remember on the courses I used to say, if you see me shouting at somebody later, it's purely because I'm shouting to get them out of their bubble. I'm shouting to get their attention, not that I'm being horrible at shouting to them. And I think that's, that's the whole point. So anxiety is coming in everywhere. And then it affects people in their jobs. They will own up that they're anxious about traveling. 
or they don't like traveling on trains, or they're worried about when they're away, and mm. therefore they then self-sabotage. So self-sabotage then comes into the mix as well. Interesting. So it's amazing how many different emotions spiral out from anxiety. Yeah, so that's really that's... what I work with. I mean, I, I do a lot with women. I work with Janie Holiday, and we do an awful lot with women and run longer-term programs because, again, we've realized Actually, you need the longer term support to be able to change a habit. And the fear of flying becomes a habit, doesn't it? It's yes. a behavior. It's a trigger. It's a behavior. So it becomes a habit loop. And the habit loop in, you know, involves looking for the cue or the trigger at the start. Then you look for the behavior that that triggers. And that's the fear, the run away from the airport, gets the emotions going, sets off all the, the hormones, doesn't it? The fear hormones and racing around your body. And then it becomes the habit that somebody only has to mention the, the aircraft, the airport. They only have to see a, an aeroplane and it triggers the fear. So the, the habit loop goes on through life and everything. Mm. You know, whether that's eating, of overeating, not eating, it's about looking at that, that habit yeah. loop. So even since I did the courses with you, I've learned even more, you see, Paul. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, you're doing some good work out there. It sounds like you're, you've gone on from helping the thousands of people from fear of flying, and now you're doing other stuff, which is just great. It just yes. goes to show that uh, fear pervades in many ways. And, well, uh, all, you know, all I work with elite athletes as well. And my God, there's fear and anxiety mm. in, in that level of sport. You know, I've yes. done quite a lot with golfers. And that, that fear of the cut, anybody who plays golf knows in a competition, there is the cut. And if you don't get above the cut, that's it, you're at the competition. And the fear and anxiety that's built up around that is huge. Or a time, or you know, if you're working with a rower, the fear and anxiety that they have is, is great. So it's teaching them how to control that, how to yes. get control of their brain so they don't have that anxiety, they don't trigger the anxiety. So that's really what I work with people on. So with, if you could combine then your experience with helping nervous flyers and then everything you've learned since, if you could say three tips or three of your best bits of advice to give somebody right now has a fear of flying, what would they be? I think one is that you've said is never give up, always go and find there will be somebody who will be able to help you. I think both you and I have quite an edge. And I think the people that I, I still do help people with a fear of flying, but on more on a one to one type basis. And it's the one phobia I'm, I'm more than happy to deal with because I want people to love flying as much as as I always have and still do. And I think it's about keep going you and I have got that extra level because we can, having been cabin crew, having flown ourselves, we can fill in a whole load of information that they don't know about. So we can normalize flying for them. And when they often hear that other side, it's like, oh, that's really normalized. <laughs> you know, I think about you telling me the story of being in the galley and, well, I can't tell too many, or actually I probably tell this one back in the 70s of being put in a, what was called a hat rack in those days, you know, so as passengers were boarding. So I <laughs> leave the rest of your imagination and me thinking, oh, okay, passengers are about to open this locker and I'm lying in the locker. So telling those sorts of stories really helped people to normalize this is our everyday job. And for me, it's about go 
get that extra help. Never give up. Tell yourself, this is the other, listen to what you're saying to yourself. So if you're telling yourself, I can't do it, guess what? You won't be able to. But mm -hmm. if you're determined and you say, I can do this and I am open to this, then go and do it. Notice what you're saying in your head. You, you hear me refer to the voice in your head. You will have a negative voice that's beating you up, that's scaring the what's it's out of you. Just know where that voice is. Then you'll have the other voice that's gone very, very quiet. And it's about telling the voice who's scaring you where to go, basically. It would be like the person you really hate sitting on your shoulder saying all the horrible things to you that you're saying to yourself in your head. What would you tell them to do? And I know I'll keep this clean because I know what I would do. If somebody was following me around the whole time trying to scare me, I know what I would say to them. Yes, so I think I it's the technique you taught Peter that? Andre, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> On TV. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I had, now, can I just qualify here? Anybody who did see that? I had said to the producer beforehand who was doing it, look, I'm going to use the F word here. It is part of a technique. A bit concerned, is that okay to use that technique? She said, yes, yes, no problem. We'll edit it out. It's not a problem. I knew in what time this might go out earlier. And of course, <laughs> it was because of Pete's reaction. The mm. second he reacted in the way that he did, I knew from having worked on TV before that, oh, they're going to keep this in. And anybody yeah. who knows me can see that split second on my face when I suddenly realize they're going to keep this in. And they did. <laughs> yeah. But yes, it works. And as far as I'm concerned, I will, if it works, then mm. great. Yeah, so a couple exactly. of tips. Never, never give up. There is always somebody out there that will help you. And if you have that determination, you will get over it. Number two, watch the voice in your head and listen to what it's saying. Be careful of what it's saying because it will beat you up. And there's various ways to say the one is just to tell it where to go. But we, as you know, there are other techniques that we use. And the third one is actually to step out. You will be watching a film of yourself. So step out of the film rather than looking through your own eyes, because that's what happens when somebody has a fear. They're actually looking at everything through their own eyes as if they are in a, in a movie. And, you know, I used to joke, I can easily jump into a movie if George Clooney's in it and imagine myself in that movie. But it's about actually step out. It's called dissociate. So dissociate, step back. Imagine you're in a cinema you're watching the film, rewind it backwards, drain the color out, make it small, push it away. And it's amazing the impact that that'll have. So if that was three tips. That was three tips. Was yeah, it's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, good. And lots Very of- Very quick ones. Lots of wisdom in there as well. So if somebody's looking to get some help with you around fear, anxiety, mindset and stuff, what's the best way to find you? They can find me through my website. Now, I you know, haven't got a fancy name because I realise that people remember your name rather than your business. So I am, you'll find me at gillianharveybush.co.uk. They can message me through that. I am on Instagram. I don't do any other social media. You know, I'm on Facebook, but that's just my own personal page. But you will find me on Instagram. And again, that's just under my name. And I'm doing all sorts on there. <laughs> that's not just to do with flying. Anything and everything gets posted on there. But if they want to contact me directly, then that's the best place. There's a contact page on my website, and I'm more than happy to, to help people. In fact, there was one gentleman that we helped that I stayed in contact with, Paul, an author, business, a business author who writes business books. And he said, he messaged me uh, and said, I never thought I'd say this. 
I'm missing flying through COVID. Wow. So I know that he's, you know, we've stayed in contact on, on Instagram and he's, he'll often message and say, I never thought I'd say this, Jill, but I'm missing flying. So yeah, I'm, I'm G Harvey Bush and you'll find me. Brilliant. Jill, what can I say? Awesome as always. Thank you so much <laughs> for giving up your time today. I, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. And so like I say, if you want to get a hold of Gillian... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a naughty. Off, but yeah, yes. uh, yeah. You can In get the naughty bed. website. Yeah, and uh, she's still out there working around the Weybridge area, soon to be moved somewhere else. But with all the technology, yeah. I mean, I do with work. The world. Absolutely. Just to finish off, Paul, I am all over the world. I have had, you know, last minute phone calls to get well-known people. There was a particularly famous DJ that I got a call on New Year's Eve, I think it was. We had to get him home for uh, strawberry or cream fields up in Liverpool. And he had a fear of flying. And so I did leapt onto, leapt onto the Skype and went through the stuff and we got him on the flight and got him home. So yeah, Brilliant. I work virtually much more nowadays. There you go. But thank you, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's lovely to catch up as well. <laughs>